Welcome to the Super Fantastic Nerd Hour. It's episode 39. This week, we're talking New York Comic Con 2014. I'm Ali Matu, and as, as always, I'm joined by H.A. Conrad. How's it going, Conrad? Uh, it's going great. I have been felled by the New York Comic Con plague, but all good. The Comic Con plague. Oh, <laughs> many have fallen victim to I, this infectious plague. I hope you are not falling victim to it, but yes, that's been making my day interesting. No, I got my um, Comic Con cootie shot, so I was uh, nice. I was, it was good to go before it yeah. got vaccinated. Uh, Conrad, we're talking near Comic Con today. What do we have in the co- um, in the Infinite Crossover Chamber? In the Infinite Crossover Chamber, it's a little bit of a wild card this week, but we are uh, <laughs> you are picking your uh, favorite cosplayer or cosplay team to my favorite cosplayer or cosplay team from New York Comic Con, and we're deciding who would win if there was a zombie outbreak. At New York Comic Con. <laughs> I am not going to deny that this is inspired by my current plague condition. Well, Clear, ins- clearly, I would not survive. <laughs> it's inspired by that. It is also inspired by, um, as we're recording this in a few hours, The Walking Dead is premiering, and The Walking right. Dead was heavily featured at Comic Con. And then there was also pl- just this, like, when you're standing from afar and you look at the, the, the mass of people, it kind of looks like a zombie outbreak because everyone's moving really slowly. Yep. People are tired. <laughs> They're shuffling around. Um, and there are actual zombies on the scene. Well, there so, are. There are. But yeah. it's also, whenever I'm in a big crowd scenario like that, I often think, where are the exits? <laughs> <laughs> How would Plus, I negotiate this crowd? Should a panic ensue? <laughs> Plus, uh, we were just... Uh, as we were walking around, I think you and I just turned to each other at one point, and we're like, "This whole con is one giant infinite crossover chamber." Yeah, like, pretty much. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, our top five this week is going to be top five ways to improve New York Comic Con. We thought about uh, pitting New York Comic Con against San Diego Comic Con, but that's kind of already been done in our WonderCon episode. We kind of talked about that kind of stuff in our San Diego Comic Con episode here um, on the Nerd Hour. So we wanted to do something a little bit different. So um, before we get into our our kind of thoughts and experiences, there was some interesting news coming out of New York Comic Con. Anything that stuck out uh, to you, Conrad? Um, I mean, t- uh, Tomorrowland, uh, that, you know... This is the thing, and this will go into our <laughs> improving New York Comic Con piece, but um, the Tomorrowland um, panel, they announced some things, and they basically said a lot of really interesting things about it, basically saying yeah. that for science, this is like the Harry Potter... Um, it, this is basically like the Harry, it, what Harry Potter was to magic, this will be for science. So yeah, that's kind Lind- of exciting. Lindelof said, what Hogwarts is to magic, Tomorrowland is to science. They're both easy to find if you're a wizard and very difficult to find if you're a muggle, which sounds intriguing. And that te- teaser looks beautiful, which you can see online now. And also, George Clooney is just super funny. <laughs> right, right. Well, he's always, he, you know, he's a good showman. Definitely he's a, a good charming showman. gentleman. Um, there is also... Um, there were a couple of uh, screenings there and a couple of panels. There was one that uh, we did not get to go to it. Um, there was like a, a lot of difficulty getting into panels uh, at this Comic-Con. Um, yeah, we'll be talking. But there that. was the... So you kind of had made decisions and we chose poorly, apparently. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you chose 
Paul we did, but there was um there was a Daredevil panel talking about that uh, series. Yeah, the um, series coming to Netflix. Yeah, as a part of that, um, the big uh, the TV sort of Marvel Cinematic. Uh, well, not cinematic universe, but no, I guess it's yeah. We can call it the Marvel cin- part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But this is going to be the first series there, and it, the costume uh, concept art was revealed, and it looks very ninja looking. Right, and um, you know, I I heard about this. Um, but did not get to see the footage. But I think it, this footage was actually already shown, correct? Um, yeah, I think the it was sh- Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy um, television series, which is going to be um, hitting Disney XD in 2015. I mean, which looks pretty cool. It I does think. look cool, but like Disney, wow, Disney, you're like <laughs> on fire. Not on fire, but just, I mean, at least trying to be on fire. Yeah, my, my, I think they're on fire. Yeah. I think you could say that with Rebels, with the all the new Marvel content coming out. Um, I, I think they're. <laughs> we'll, we'll probably talk about this more in a Disney episode, yeah. but they're they're doing really well. So there were there were a lot of good announcements, but what I would say is that it was kind of hard to get news of these announcements while you were actually there. Yeah, and and that's and, true at, and at many cons. It is, it is. I feel like there should almost be. I mean, because I didn't even feel like the the New York Comic Con Twitter feed was very helpful. No. Um, so I feel like there just needs to be a little bit more communication. Yeah, I mean, some things that I want to uh, highlight um, in addition to what you said. Marvel announced that they're doing an all-new event series, which I always have mixed feelings about it. To me, it's kind of like, oh, an event series. Now you got to buy 100 comics um, to yeah. follow uh, the event. Uh, but they're basically revisiting uh, their Secret Wars uh, series that was previously done in the 80s. And the concept art looks pretty cool here. It, it's their new iterations of these characters fighting the older iterations. So you've got the female Thor and Miles Morales Spider-Man fighting against their their previous version. So that looks interesting. And there's rumors that DC is doing an all-new uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths uh, that's going to be coming out uh, next year. So... It's kind of like the 80s all over again for comics. Um, And something else that was interesting, I think, um, there wasn't really much revealed here, but Telltale Games, the makers of the awesome choose-your-adventure type Walking Dead game and the Wolf Among Us game, they're doing a Game of Thrones version, and they just released uh, a new teaser image um, for that, which looked cool. But again, it was like... An image they tweeted out for Comic Con, so not really much there. The one piece that I don't know if you you saw this. Um, uh, did you hear about how close we were to a Doctor Who musical? Yes, I did hear that, but I had heard that before too. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. It was um, Arthur uh, Darville. Is that how you say his last name? Um, one of the Doctor's companions had a spotlight panel where he talked about that and lots of other goodness from the world of Doctor Who. We'll put that in the show notes. So, uh, you know, some news. Uh, again, it's not San Diego Comic-Con. You know, the Hollywood presence here is not as big as it is elsewhere. Um, but you're right. It was hard to get a hold of this. One piece of news that I think broke out all over the place was the United States Postal Service was doing a big new Batman stamp. Yeah. Um, Exciting stuff for you stamp collectors out there. Um, so that news kind of got out. But yeah, I mean, not it, it was hard to, to follow right. what was going on. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is, 
I think with any any big conference like this, you're always going to have. It is up to the attendee to kind of do some things to make the conference the best thing, like whatever they want to do at it. But it felt like just the structure of this and the organization made it kind of hard to do that. Yeah, even, you know, they do a lot of, um, once you buy your badge, you're kind of on their mailing list, which you right. can opt out of if you want. There could have, every morning there was a highlights of New York Comic Con, and we should also mention New York Super Week. For the first time, yeah. um, the organizers, Read Pop, they were trying to, um, trying to combine this with a larger week-long event. And every day of that week, of New York Super Week, there was an email sent out of uh, what's happening today. Yeah. And then the same thing for New York Comic Con. They could have sent one out that was like, here's some highlights. Um, right. Here's what you missed. And w- you know, we should also mention that all these Comic Cons are run by different organizations, right. some for profit, um, most for profit, some nonprofit, notably San Diego Comic Con International, who does WonderCon and San Diego Comic Con. But one of the things that um, uh, always comes up whenever we're, we're discussing this with uh, your partner, Mr. Bill Wadman, he always says, so why aren't the videos of these things made available? Um, well, that's what, that's what you and I were talking a lot about yesterday. It's sort of like, you know, okay, so this is the thing. Both San Diego and New York Comic Con have grown enormously. Like, New York Comic Con sold like 140,000 tickets. Yeah. Um, and we all know that just based on like the numbers of people, and when you're, you're especially for the panels and things like that, when your largest room <laughs> is 3,000 people. That's like a tiny percentage of the people that are attending that can actually go and see those things. And that's not even including the people that, you know, couldn't make it there. Well, and and also the press and the media and like other people that automatically get seats in those rooms. Like that's also cutting down like you don't actually have 3000 seats for the attendees. Yep. So um, it makes it difficult. I'm not saying and I I think that there are certain things that they could possibly do to, to help that. But one of the things we were talking about is like, why not make like a cool bundle of stuff that you could have exclusive access to or early access to? And I understand that that's difficult because they don't want it to escape into the wild, you know. But mm-hmm. I also think that there there must be some way to do that so that you could get like a sneak preview, feel like you were a little bit more part of it. Yeah, yeah. You know, at San Diego, they, there's no official video of the panels, but people do record the panels with the exception of exclusive content that um, Hollywood does not want to see online. Right. And people are usually pretty compliant about that. Um, there's, But those videos still do appear online of panels, whatever, you know, fans record in the audience. At Cindy or at New York Comic Con this year is weird. They uh, at one of the panels we were at Brian Lee O'Malley's panel, which we'll talk about in a bit, uh, author of Seconds and uh, Scott Pilgrim. There was a, a screenshot that was flashing that said no photos or video recording, and I'm thinking, okay, so you're not doing any official video recording. But you're not, you're not letting anybody it. else do it either. You're not so letting it's... anyone else do it. So what are you doing? Like if they did create. There's a few things that I think need to happen here. Number one, for people who are at the con who paid to be there but can't get into these panels, um, number one, because a lot of the smaller panels you you um, um, have are in very small rooms. Like the smallest room at New York Comic Con was v- a fraction Tiny. of the size of the San Diego Comic Con rooms, the smallest ones. Yeah. Uh, we tried to get into a NASA panel that was just full hours in advance. 
Um, so if you can't get in, then have a central place where either, people can watch it. Where people can watch it, especially for the large panels, especially and for I the walking I did see that they panel. were doing this for a couple of things downstairs. They had the big screens, and I think that they were airing some of that stuff. So it's not like they did none of that, but it wasn't really communicated that that was happening, and also it yep. wasn't in a place where people really... I mean, people could see it if they were waiting online to get into another panel, yep. but... It wasn't really sort of bringing everything. I mean, there were a lot of spots where they could have set something up to do this. But again, the the other thing you could do here, too, is, you know, sell a online badge that gives people exclusive video access to the panels that are happening. So you could be sitting in Florida and still watching what's happening at New York Comic Con as it's happening. You can make a ton of money off doing that. And I know there's bandwidth costs, but I, I think if you. there would be such a high demand. Yeah. I mean, just given how quickly New York Comic Con sells out. In fact, all these Comic Cons in in all the major cities, how quickly they sell out. There's a huge market for this. And that would be something I think a lot of people would want. Yeah, no, I think so too. And also, that's the thing. I applaud the the effort with the Super Week to have all that programming. And I think that stuff is awesome. Um, And you have a lot of after parties and you have a lot of speakers and stuff. But that also, a lot of that stuff was also on top of the money that you already paid for the ticket. Yeah, Conrad, let's talk about that. Because- so, so, and that includes the one that you did, which unfortunately I couldn't go to because I was still at work. But, um, you know, you spoke with the Super Collider series. There story was, Collider. Sorry, Story Collider. Close. Yep, super yep. Collider. <laughs> You're combining Super Week combla- with Story yeah, Collider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, also, you know, Large Hadron Collider. But who's, who's counting? Oh, um, yeah. I anyway, wish I spoke there. That would have been awesome. That would have been cool. Been um, like, Here is a real life warp core. <laughs> um, but in any case, <laughs> like I would have really loved to have gone to that, but it was 15 bucks. And on top of that was also the convenience fee or whatever it was. And for people that have already paid X amount of money for a badge, we got the four day badges and that adds up a lot. So yeah. And so what we did get with the four day badge was the New York super, super week card. That did nothing. So, that did nothing. Right. <laughs> It said you're gonna get you're gonna get discounts to all these New York Super Week events, exclusive stuff. We didn't get any exclusive anything, and also the tickets for all these Super Week events, New York Super Week events, were as you said, in addition to everything else. Now you didn't need a New York Comic Con um, badge to do any of the Super Week stuff, which there's pros there for anyone who couldn't get one of those badges. But for the people who did spend all the money on the four day badge, um, there was absolutely no discount or anything there and I, you know there was a lot of new york super week programming and, and it, a was lot cool of, programming, it was cool programming but it was also stuff. but it was also neil degrasse tyson did uh, did a big uh, launch to it um neil gaiman had an event um ali matu had his amazing event no yeah. i'm just kidding um there was a uh baz lutherman did a screening of, of the rocky horror picture show oh we um, saw our, such a great dr frankenfutter too cosplay he was awesome oh yeah we did Um, his feet must have been killing him by the end of the day oh my gosh there was yeah as as yeah of course and um you know a friend of of the show cc over at singularity and co hosted an after party Uh, image Um, comics hosted after party there was a lot of stuff like that going on um and it was all like it's great that all that stuff happens but it just doesn't feel like the communication with regard to it is there 
So I think communication is really going to be a theme that keeps coming up for both New York Super Week and New York Comic Con. So, you know, one of the major events of New York Comic Con that I was super excited for was the Star Trek The Next Generation panel that was happening um, off-site on Friday as a part of Super Week. And it had separate tickets. Um, it was at this major auditorium that's been around for like 100 years, uh, this New York institution, right? Um it was a mess, Conrad, getting into this thing. It was a mess. It was as if the theater had no idea that it had completely sold out. Huh. Um, they, they were so bad at managing the crowd and getting people in that about, I would say, like a fourth of the audience was still trying to work its way into the theater when the show was starting. And that's not because everyone showed up late. It's because the theater was really not equipped to handle this level of a crowd. Yeah. Um, so you combine that with what happened at um, Story Collider, the event that I was doing. There was miscommunication there where the ticket said one price or one start time, but the promotional material said a different start time. Um, Communicate. It really seems like a lot of this stuff – um, I don't know if I want to say if it wasn't planned out well, but the communication around it definitely was not planned out well. Well, and uh, you know, like the apps for this stuff could be so much better and they could be up to date, but they never seem to be. Um, oh, convention apps are the worst. They are the worst, but it's sort of like, it feels like there should be, and if everybody's looking at Twitter, maybe the updates go there or, you know, but the organization, you have to have, and I mean, some of this is also... You have to look at every single panel almost and every single like every single Super Week event as a separate event mm -hmm. as part of the larger entity. And each one has to be run at a very high level. So yep. if you're spread very thin, which it it does seem like people were probably because of the amount of programming there, um, then it's going to be I, I mean, it's hard to manage that and to keep quality control there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I. I also think, and this is like an ongoing conversation, I also think that a huge, not a huge, but a huge part of this problem and dynamic is that this is a massive amount of people to sell tickets to. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a, a huge massive endeavor. massive amount of people. And, you know, like the Javits Center in terms of the main, the main conference is just not really, it's not big enough and it's not big enough to accommodate the panels and for the people who want to see that, so that's that's one thing. And then New York, it, you as, know, if, and if then New York as a city is huge. So, like, the programming was great, but it was spread all throughout. And if you don't have solid communication and solid organization on that, then of course there's going to be things that happen, like what happened to yeah, you. Yeah, let's let's talk about the elephant in the room. New York City is honestly not a great city to host a convention. No, no. Um, and I'm not just talking about cons here. I'm also talking about, like, the conferences I've gone to for work. Yeah, um, it's The hard. best ones are never in New York. Um, in fact, the conventions I do go to in, in New York are, are not that great. Now, let's, let's kind of think it through. Hotels are expensive here. Um, New York can be a pretty intimidating city. And I think what, what makes for a good convention is you have a convention center and a group of hotels that are very close to one another. There's some place for people to gather afterwards that's pretty close to the convention center. Right. There's good food and there's things for people to do. San Francisco, 
great city for a convention. Um, Anaheim, great city. San Diego, probably the best, just right. given how the hotels are laid out, the convention center, the nearby downtown district. Um, Boston, with the new convention with center. With the new center, not... With the new one, yeah, not, not with, with the, the old, old one. one. <laughs> great city for a convention. The Javits Center here in New York, it's located kind of in the armpit of the city. Um, it's really west of Manhattan, um, that's that Hudson Yards area is being rebuilt, but it's not going to be rebuilt anytime soon. Um, the Javits Center, it's been renovated many times, and it still has this leaky roof. There's a lot of wasted space, uh, not that many rooms for panels. Many no of the rooms are food. really smart. No good food in the convention center or around that neighborhood. You have to walk about three, four major avenue blocks um, to get to any and, restaurants. And speaking for coffee addicts everywhere, definitely not enough places where you can get coffee. Where are all the great coffee sh- New York City has such great and you coffee could set shops. Up, I mean, you could you could contract with different vendors and set up pop-up, whatever, but they probably have contracts or ongoing contracts, clearly. Well, and clearly, that's, that's so. pr- clearly there's a con- contractual problem because there weren't any food trucks in the neighborhood. You go to San Diego, you go to WonderCon was the greatest example of this. Right in front of the con, there were about 20 food trucks. It was amazing, Conrad. You would never want to leave the con because you have well, right. amazing food right there. Well, and then, and then to feed here. all these people, like, I mean, you there are places where you could do this very easily around this. So it's not like you couldn't do it. You could definitely do it better than it is, but I agree with you. I think that the city is a difficult, um, it's a difficult, it's a difficult playground to have this kind of event and, and to have any major event you know i think one of the appeals of uh, like dragon con for example dragon con takes over i haven't been but from what i've heard from people who have been there dragon con takes over the city of atlanta right. and um nothing takes over new york city not the macy's thanksgiving day parade not any other parade not the u.n um we'll have all the world leaders here in the city and that won't even shut it down it'll make traffic on the east side of the city pretty difficult um you will have you know the mtv music award like nothing will shut the city down um the city's too big for any one main event and and that's good for new yorkers it's less good and exciting for people coming for major events right now so, on the now on the plus side we should yeah, also talk about yeah. now that we've been all negative nancy's about everything um you know um there's a lot of good things i mean in terms of um in terms of like the really great things um we got to hang out together which was a lot of fun Conrad, um, I had a ton of fun hanging out. Yeah, that was Honestly. awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. And then we also had the the bonus edition of Mr. Bill Wadman, who got, felt like he was missing out, so managed to scramble a badge uh, for for uh, Saturday, which was fun. So it was fun because he had never been to one before. So that was oh, kind of yeah. cool. Um, the people watching, um, we got to see friends. I got to see uh, Jamie McKelvey, uh, who I had not seen in a very long time. So that was cool seeing him. And now that he's all fancy. Um, and you got to see... Oddly enough, connected with Jamie to some extent. Um, your your friends that did the uh, Miss Marvel. Oh, I, got to see, I got to I got to meet in person a lot of people I've connected with online yeah. a little bit. So, um, editor at Marvel Entertainment, Sana Manat, who is was the real life inspiration for Miss Marvel, and is the editor on board. We actually got to meet when you you were meeting uh, with Jamie. 
which was awesome and it bonus points because I was in uh, Miss Marvel cosplay at the time. Yeah. And then we just literally ran into G. Willow Wilson, who's a writer for Miss Marvel, like just on in the lobby, which is um, awesome. Which was awesome. And a lot of moments like that happen. I connected with another good friend of mine, uh, John Tamorian, who uh, works at, um, who was working at one of the booths and got to connect with um, other friends just walking around. And I got to say, the, the coolest part of this experience was um, connecting with friends, making new friends, and then um, all the content producers, the behind the scenes folks. This artist, Allie, yeah. is still one of the most massive ones at cons. And it's I think it's amazing, the- um, but I also feel like it needs to be more center stage than it is, if that That's makes sense. That's always a problem with artists. Um, they're it's- always sort of on the side. I know they're on the side, but to me, that's some of the more interesting things because you get to actually meet some of these creators and the creators yeah. are what makes, they make the things that we love. And- they're so passionate and they're so accessible and they're so friendly. And... Um, there's and a great it's, it's, history. It, it is, and you get to you get to pick up books and things that you like. Get stuff commissioned. Yeah, you can do that too. Um, and it, it's just all it's all really that that is one of my favorite pieces. Of well, that. and that's been you know a great tradition of New York City um, historically. DC and Marvel Entertainment and the comic book industry was based in New York City, and there's been some movement with that, with Disney buying Marvel, wanting to kind of move production a little bit more to LA. Same thing with DC. Um, but even still, the the history and the legacy of the comic book industry is still here, right. and we see that New. Comic Con. This Artist Alley was so much larger in San Diego's this year and last year. Um, and it was cool just to be able to meet all of those people. Um, the other thing that was really exciting, Conrad, um, was while we were doing all the people watching, um, just like talking to people about their amazing cosplay. Oh, yeah. And- you know, I, my favorite, I know who you're going to bring up right now. Are you going to bring up Captain America? I'm bringing up Captain America. Oh, he was so great. And we'll put the photo in our show notes, but why was Captain America so... This one, um, now, there was many Captain there Americas. There were many Captain Americas, but this, this specific Captain one, he he was walking and we, we noticed his shield and it was so well done and it was sort of like weathered and it looked like it had been, it had been like through battles. It was great. And he was also wearing like the, the kind of propaganda, like the... Um, more vintagey looking, like a jumpsuit. Yeah. Um, and he knew he was he, like he was like I'm mixing things a little bit, but it was really. <laughs> but then we stopped and talked to him, and first of all, he was like enormously tall, <laughs> so yeah. he really fit the fit the. He role. looked like he looked a like Captain America. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then he went into how he had made the shield, and it was really great hearing him talk about it and how excited he was, and that you know that's the stuff with the cosplay I love. I love hearing oh, about love people. It how they make their costumes and like why and you know it was so that was that was actually and he was just incredibly nice and he's all super nice he was like where are you guys based out of and like (laughs) yeah yeah um and then there's also really funny moments and one of my funniest moments (laughs) is this power rangers well no there was that but the non-cosplayer that we both thought was a cosplayer the Hare Krishna, um, oh. who I thought was the Hare Krishna zombie from Dawn of the Dead, but was in actuality yeah, a Hare Krishna. 
<laughs> and, he, and we both were kind of like, yeah, he needs to work on his makeup a little bit, but he wasn't, in fact, cosplay. <laughs> no, that was good. That was, that good. was pretty good. But um, I, no, the I love Power, the Power Ranger, Ranger moment. Yeah, the yeah. Power Ranger moment so was really We were amazing. walking, and there was a couple Power Rangers behind us, and then you overheard their conversation. Right, and there were there were like an enormous number of Power Rangers in cosplay yeah. at this as, at this conference, and um, they're walking behind us, and I hear one of them say to the other. I think we've reached a saturation point with the Power Rangers. We may have chosen poorly in our cosplay. <laughs> and then the and then the the other one said to the friend, he was like, "Maybe so, but our costumes are solid." And she was like, "True that." And like they were totally excited and like bumped fists and like were being like totally adorable about it. Um, and and uh, we're not we're not laughing at them, but what we are what we are doing is like. Um, it was that awesome. passion. It's that passion and the intensity and the fun um, that people bring to their cosplay, which makes cosplay so awesome. You know, it's all about expressing your identity, your passion, why you love these characters. And some pe- people, some people love it for the craft. Some people love it for the what these characters represent to them. And some people just want to have fun. And one of my favorites, or, or was, some, or some people are there not or. <laughs> <laughs> be mistaken for cosplayers. <laughs> oh yeah, there's there's also that. Um, one of the ones that I really liked was um, we were just walking around in the lobby, I think, trying to get to Artist Alley, and I saw this guy, and he was like in this, he was in the middle of this thing, and I'm like, what, what? Okay, there's what there, it, there's like a funnel. No, there's sharks. <gasps> Sharknado too. Yeah, and I, I just kind of like as well, I had he that was moment, also he was also wearing. Um, like a Statue of Liberty thing on <laughs> to make sure that you knew it was Sharknado 2. And he was so excited. And not Sharknado 1. Yeah, yeah. Right. And he was so excited that you recognized him. So that was cool. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, take a picture. And he was so excited. And and it's that moment of connect. That's sometimes that's some of my favorite cosplay, the, the cosplay that makes you think a little bit. I think Bill Wadman um, spotted a Mystery Science Theater 3000 yeah. cosplay, yeah, that was which cool. was a guy just in a silhouette with like the character the silhouette of the characters on him he was the theater which is he great. was a the theater yeah and i saw a mario kart blue shell cosplay which was just a guy all in blue you couldn't see his face or anything but he had the blue shell as like a hat yeah he was uh, great he was great um, and there were a lot of things like that um and the mashups um there was a lot of great mashups um the most interesting i think which was mick thor Oh, McThor was pretty, but apparently he's a thing. So he's I had never, thing. I had never seen him before, but he was pretty awesome. He's like a Ronald McDonald Thor crossover, and this is where I think one of our favorite moments. We were like waiting for coffee, and in the background was McThor like po- posing with his like um, Happy Meal hammer, um, and then in the background was a doctor Who? looking over at him, just kind of like inquisitively. And, uh, and he looked so much like David Tennant, that, oh, yeah. that doctor. He <laughs> he was not, but he looked so much like him. Those moments are just a ton of fun. So, like, I think w- one of the things we're talking about here is the social aspect yeah. is really what makes uh, what made this con for us and what I think makes most of the cons. And um, a few months ago, in advance of San Diego Comic-Con, I wrote an article about the psychology of Comic-Cons, and that was the main thing. You know, it was the good, bad, the ugly of Comic-Con, and the good is always 
the social, the social connection and meeting all these people. The other thing on the tech side I want to mention that I think New York Comic Con actually does better than other places, um, the RFID badges. Yep, that's a smart thing. Yeah, it's it's great. Like so this is something in, they instituted last year and uh once it, basically what happens there's a RFID chip in your badge and you have to tap in and tap out when you're entering the the con and leaving the con. Once they instituted this last year, there was a it, the con became a little bit more manageable, which makes me think there's a lot of fraudulent yeah. badges out well, there on there the must con. Be. Yeah, and the other nice thing about this is they don't ask you for the badge once you're in. No. So you're not constantly being asked, hey, where's your badge? Show me your badge. None of that is happening, um, which is great. So I think that was a nice nice innovation on New York Comic Con's part. The other thing I do want to mention, and then this will probably lead us to more cons in a moment, is um, they also changed the way they were doing entrance into their main stage. So they have a stage that fits uh, 3,000 people. Um, by comparison, San Diego's infamous Hall H fits about 6,000 people. So it's about half the size, but it's still relatively big. And what they did this year is um, once the con opens at 10 a.m., you can uh, go and line up for individual panels. You get an armband once uh, you, you have a seat for that panel, basically, and then you just come back and you can just line up for it again. So in other words, each after each session, the room is cleared out and only the people with those badges get in. And if they run out of badges, they run out of badges and you don't have to wait around all day with the hope that you might get right. in. However, <laughs> however, Conrad, what happened to us with this? So we got there early. Granted, we did not get there as early as some people, but... We walked in at 10 a.m. when it Well, opened. but we were lined up outside before it opened and whatever. And, and you know... Um, there, so there was a few different things. So there was a few different levels of tickets. You could buy a VIP package, which gave you some early access, like not really. They allowed you in first, basically. Um, yeah, so kind of um, like exhibitors get to get in hours before because they have to set up their stuff. These VIP badges get you in I close guess, to that. Yeah. yeah, not hours before, but I guess a little bit before something like yeah. that. Um, and it, and so there's that. Um, but we were there early enough that we were in the first wave and we wanted to go and get in to see the Walking Dead panel, which we knew was going to be difficult. And I would say with that particular panel, probably a lot, there's a lot of seats obviously reserved for media, right? So, yeah, yeah. However, we were three minutes in like walking down to get lined up and it was already full. So clearly... They made an announcement at 10.05, Walking Dead is at capacity. Yep. And we looked at each other and we called, you know, baloney on that. A little bit baloney, yeah. Because there's just no... 3,000 people in five minutes, that doesn't add up. Well, yeah, because there's no way that you could actually bracelet that many people in that amount of time. And so, and I know that they were clicking people as they were going by, but just funneling that many people... um, and a few other people said that they had been lined up since 4.30 in the morning and that they were, and that's how they got the bracelets. But they were claiming that they were let in way, way early, which didn't seem to make sense. And maybe that was true. But again, if that was the case, I don't know that you and I would have been lined up at 4.30 in the morning to go and see this. However, probably not. Um, that wasn't the communication that everybody else was given. So no. that got to give it to those really like, if, if that is the case, the fans that are really that dedicated, they should definitely go and see that panel. It just felt a little fake to me. 
Yeah, um, and, it felt and like it, there was it, it felt like there was a little something a little shady going on, and then you know, yeah, you know, I think gotta say, Conrad, that was like rubbing salt in the wound because this is now the third year in a row that I have yeah. been able to get into this Walking Dead panel at New York Comic Con. Um, I could get in last year, even though I lined up hours in advance. Same thing two years ago. Um, and so this you is, did. So you did line up hours in advance last time. It still was the same time, result. Yeah, so yeah. I and can't imagine if that if people that had been lined up that much in advance didn't get in to see it, how disappointing they must have been. And then we yeah. and then. So we so we heard this on and we're like, all right. And we had this sort of flow chart in our head. Walking Dead. If not Walking Dead, Patrick Stewart. Yeah. If not Patrick Stewart, maybe Daredevil. Yeah. Um, and so we did the math, and we immediately called an audible, shifted over to the Patrick Stewart line, got in the line, and it was like, yeah, we yeah. got it. We got, we our got it. And then they made us wait forever before he had our bracelets. And then but we got him, and we, we and that was out fine. And we're like, yeah, Patrick Stewart, um, go Patrick Stewart. Uh, we love you, Captain Picard slash <laughs> Professor X. So we walked around, we had our stuff, and then we're coming back uh, f- at 1 o'clock for the 145 panel. Yep. Pretty pumped. And we walk in, and we overhear the security guard yeah. saying, Yeah, Patrick, Stu- Su- Patrick Stewart is sick. He's and this, not- he's not coming. <laughs> he's not coming. And we're like, all right, Mr. Security Guard, whatever. But then we start hearing the rumors of the line, and then I pull up on a Twitter feed, not... By the Not way, the New York Comic Con, New York Comic Con Twitter feed, and then there were some rumors that they were just going to do the TNG panel, which pretty much all you would see the night before. Yeah, which I had paid to see the night before, um, and, and but that was still not clear that they were going to do that. So everybody's just kind of waiting around for information, and then in the meantime, we didn't get to see any of the other panels that we wanted to see because no, we had been trying to see Patrick Stewart. So this is this is the problem. Had we been informed? And you and I were pretty active on Twitter. Yeah. Um, if you look at the at Nerd Hour Twitter feed, we posted a lot. We were sharing a lot. We were connecting. Um, if someone had posted a message, we're sorry, Sir Patrick is sick. Um, instead, we're going to have members of the TNG cast. But they didn't you and do I, that. But they didn't do that. If and they didn't they even, that, honestly, they didn't even do it on the whiteboard, which is where they were, yes. oddly enough, in their non-tech way, announcing some stuff. They didn't even put that up. And had so, they done that, you and I would have tried to go see the Max Brooks panel, the Max uh, Brooks World yeah. War Z um, uh, panel. Well, it's not a World War Z panel, but he's the author from World War Z. We'd have probably gone to see him, which was something you and I were really looking forward to do. And we had so, chosen, we had chosen the Patrick Stewart over that. So, yeah, this is why we chose poorly. And here's the thing, you guys, and by you guys, I'm talking to Reed Pop, New York Comic Con's uh, uh, company. Um, had you communicated this to us? We would have made a different decision, and we spent a lot of time and money um, being here. And everything that you choose to attend, there's an opportunity cost. You don't right. get to see other stuff. Right. And we put a lot of our effort into seeing this one flagship panel, which was essentially canceled yeah. and not and, communicated to And you know what? You, you and I were kind of like, okay, whatever. And we still had a lot of fun. And yeah. I, I mean – I mean, we, that's when I saw Sharknado too. Right. We had so much fun. So I'm not going to get all crazy about it. However, I was imagining if I was somebody who had come from out of town. Oh, yeah. And this was like a bit, you know, you had made effort to come in, spent all this money, and you don't get to see some of this stuff. I would be pretty upset, you know, because you, you have all the travel costs on top of that. Um, so w- one more thing I got to add on here that I was um, pretty disappointed in. 
Um, I got to say the diversity of the panels and the diversity of the panelists. Yeah. Uh, left a lot um well also the uh, number of panels too was like and i know that it's a it's a space thing but it just you know there was a lot of like you know the floor is going to be huge at this stuff you get that however there wasn't there just wasn't a ton of panels so if you can't accommodate everybody have a ton of stuff that people can actually attend so this is the thing like um so i've gone to new york comic-con every year since 2010 and sadly, what I have seen over these last um, four years is I've seen uh, more of an myopic vision of these panels. Um, there was much more diversity and there was still more of what I think um, either the fan panels or the academic panels. So the fan panels are those that are organized by uh, people who are not in the industry. Uh, and then the academic panels are more of kind of what um, Andrea Ledimenti and I do with the Psychology of Star Star Trek versus Star Wars panel at San Diego, um, what the comic art scholars do, where they actually have um, professors and scientists talk about these things. Those panels were not present at New York Comic Con last year, nor this year. And um, what it really seems like is New York Comic Con is trying to be more of a – have more of a Hollywood presence. There's more of a, a shrinking of the focus of the panels. And um, there were about five different um, cosplays, not consent panels. Uh, let's talk about diversity in comics panels, um, female, female characters, strong character panels and all of that. But I got to say it, it felt like it was more – um, oh, this is really hot this year. Representation and diversity in comics is really hot. Let's have a bunch of those panels and not much of anything else. And so um, I was excited to see those panels. Couldn't get into any of them. I was excited to see those. Um, at the same time, what I think other cons do really well, and Dragon Con, I'm looking at you. San Diego, I'm looking at you. There is great representation across the wide variety of genres that people are fans of and at different levels of industry, fans, and academic. That is not present here at New York Comic Con. Right. Agreed. Which is pr- disappointing, Conrad. Um, I think, like, especially if you're, let's say if you're an anime fan, there wasn't much for you to see. Um, if you were a sci-fi fan, um, there was the NASA panel, and there was a couple other things. Um, not much else beyond that. Um it's it's disappointing given how diverse the attendees are, and the attendees are incredibly diverse. We saw so many different people from all different parts of not only the country but the world here. I think the attendees deserve a little bit more diversity in the types of programming they can see. Agreed. Agreed. Um, and then – but, you know, there was also – but they're also, I have to also get back into like a more positive thing um, in terms of sort of going to the con and like sort of seeing other people who are going to attend Comic-Con and being excited about that in New York. That's cool. Seeing people, yeah. seeing people get on the subway and people admiring or not people who are going to the Comic-Con, just like regular New Yorkers, either just ignoring them or kind of like being Not like, batting an eye and just be like, oh, it's a regular yeah, day. Or, or some of the New Yorkers getting in on the fun. You know, yeah. there, you saw this great traffic uh, director oh, guy yeah. 
he was dressed as Batman and directing yeah. traffic into this like parking garage. And then the um, awesome. the Star Trek uh, limo driver, Captain Guy. Oh, this is that was a great moment. This guy in this giant limo, um, like blasting some bass heavy music with the window that rolls down. And he's in his Star Trek Next Generation cosplay. And he kind of just nods at me as I'm in my like spa <laughs> cosplay. That was awesome. Um and I got to say that New Yorkers in general are so friendly and awesome when it comes to all of this stuff. At the same time, tourists in New York can sometimes be really mean. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I've, I've heard these stories of people at restaurants or bars or after parties where it there are New York, people who are visiting New York who are sometimes mean to cosplayers. But I think in general, New Yorkers... Um, New York has kind of embraced this. Well, you know, we even went out to lunch um, and the restaurant was probably 50-50. The number of people that were were from Comic-Con and then just regular people out to have their brunch on a Saturday. And those people were kind of like, huh, I wonder why those people are dressed up. But nothing more than that. It was just kind of like, (laughs) is it Halloween yet? What's going on? You know, Um, but I didn't see anything negative. And so. No, and. Um, and it's still like these cons are very safe places. Uh, yeah. Given the mass amount of people here, there's always potential for stuff to happen. Um, and, you know, if you look at a lot of soccer games, football games, baseball games, um, you combine that many people and something happens. Um, right. uh, that doesn't occur at Comic-Con. Comic-Cons are very safe places given uh, the amount, the size and the amount of people. I also say the other thing I really liked about New York Comic-Con this year, they had um, their um, um, sexual harassment policy posted in many places. They had cosplays not consent posted and what that means in a lot of places. And that was really good to see that. I think New York Comic-Con learned a lesson from how San Diego was handling this. And they said very clearly, we are not going to tolerate any harassment of any of the attendees for any reasons. Um, so that was good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, so overall, but I, I mean, I kind of want to talk about what, what if something did happen at Comic-Con? Oh, I think you want to venture into the Infinite Crossover Chamber. I couldn't think of anything, Conrad. I couldn't come up with them. That's okay. Um, Maybe uh, it's the the Comic-Con plague. It it is. It's affecting you, too. Over the podcast. Um, All right. So you want to talk about if something does happen at Comic-Con. What what might this be? Okay. So I was just imagining while watching all the cosplayers right around because you see a lot of people who are either playing the same character or are on basically cosplay teams. Um, and uh, what would happen if they, you know, if, if there was like a zombie plague, which there <laughs> this was. Is, this clearly. is where your mind yes. just kind of yeah, naturally yeah, yeah. goes to. Um, I just see, you know, we saw like a lot of like interesting things. We saw a lot of Captain Americas. We saw a lot of Winter Soldiers. We saw a ton of Guardians, Stormtroopers, and all of that fun stuff. So I, I, this is why I wanted to kind of see which team you think would have the best chances of survival should something like that happen. You know, I have a book 
that is basically this is the storyline of it. It's a book I actually picked up um, right after we recorded our episode at Singularity and Co. Uh, Night of the Living Trekkies, <laughs> where it's basically the plot of it is um, there's all these Trekkies at a convention. And they're all in costume and stuff. And then the strange virus breaks out and they turn all these Trekkies into like savage flesh-eating zombie Trekkies. And it's your job or the main character's job to kind of um, escape this uh, nightmare scenario. I didn't realize you actually bought that. I did. And it's kind of awesome. I, <laughs> I love it. So um, it, it's not uh, not a idea that is unique to this podcast. Other people have explored this in, in the world of fiction. So uh, basically what we want to do is uh, champion. Um, we're going to each champion one type of cosplay or one cosplay team or one cosplay player um, that or one cosplay cos, cosplayer uh, who we saw at New York Comic Con and debate who would survive the zombie outbreak. All right. Who are you going to go with? All right. Well, you know, of and people will check you can check out our show notes to see all the photos of, of some of this cosplay. But I considered McThor. I considered the governor. We saw a great father-daughter governor cosplay, which is super good and super creepy. We saw some great Carl um, and God, Rick. There was a really great kid Carl that you got a photo of. Oh, yeah. Even yeah, his shirt was, was kind of so... dirty and bloody. He was great. He, he had the look on his face as Carl always does. And we saw a really good Shane. Oh, my God. Oh. The Shane looked just like him. Shane. Like John, um, it was not him, but it did look a lot like him. Oh, and we saw some great Pulp Fiction, Darth Vader and Stormtroopers, and uh, a wonderful shirtless Kirk. So I uh, considered no, all ripped, of those. ripped shirt. Kirk. A ripped shirt. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It, there was a shirt. It was just quite ripped. Um, here's what I'm going with, Conrad. I am going with the vintage Captain America Winter Soldier team that I saw, which okay. consisted of a a male and female vintage Captain America and a male and female vintage Winter Soldier. I will explain why after... I hear from your team. See, I didn't pick a specific like team team. I picked a specific um, genre. And um, I think that all the Harley Quinns were going to band together. Oh, interesting. Because they automatically all have that nice big mallet weapon that could be retooled as a zombie fighting device. Oh, man. So that's good we, choice. Yeah, yeah. Good choice. I, I will tell you, I had a sort of soft spot in my heart for the Ghostbusters that we saw running around because there was like, yeah. yeah, like there were just teams <laughs> and teams of Ghostbusters running around. However, their proton packs were wearing them down a little bit. Yeah, and they keep had, they kept having to, they point. kept having to take breaks. I mean, the proton packs maybe could be re- retooled, but not quite as easily as those mallets. The, okay, so the mallets are pretty good. Um, I I think the mallet is a natural weapon to use in a zombie. And not outbreak. as a mallet, clearly. You'd have to turn it around and use it to, like, poke them. But, you know. Oh, I thought you could use it to smash their heads. Well, you can, but um, I think it has more use in the cricket back f- bat-like format. But, um, you know. And that would be unwieldy, Conrad. Like, you're going to grab it from the mallet side? That's super well, weird. Well, most of those mallets came apart, if you noticed. They were two parts, oh. so you just have to take the mallet end off. 
Well, and I also like the idea of all the Harley Quinns kind of um, uh, joining forces and kind of working, creating a circle and working their way outward to create like a safe zone. And they're crazy Uh, enough, too. So they're fantastic. But I think that's your downfall. Conrad, that is the downfall right there. Um, (laughs) You think they're actually going to be able to to work together as a team, I I respectfully disagree with you. Um, I do not think that will happen. Um, Harley Quinn is, um, uh, I mean, she's a character that is a little bit, doesn't realize the abusive relationship she is in with the Joker. She doesn't, and, but she also gets things done. And so um, that's my thing. Yeah, if by get things done, you mean like, all this like evil stuff. Uh, uh, yeah, but killing zombies, you kind of have to be a little bit evil. If you're in like a very split second, you know, you, you can't worry about whether they're actually people in cosplayers or not. Is that the world you want to live in where the Harley Quinns are the only ones left? Uh, I don't I don't think so. I think the world <laughs> you want to live in is a world of vintage Captain America and vintage Winter Soldier. Here's why. Oh wait! Now, whoa! You're bringing the Winter Soldier into this? It's it was the team. I uh, saw his team arm. Of- the Winter Soldier arm is gonna get cut caught in all those zombies. That's a no, terrible zombie weapon. No, okay, here's why I go with this team that I saw. Um, it was two Captain Americas and two Winter Soldiers. Both they're all vintage, and they're also uh, gender bending. There is one one of one male, one female. Uh, yeah, of each. and I saw them and the the gender bending Captain Americas and whatever their skirts would totally get in the way. Uh, no, here's yes, <laughs> and so would their hair. Now, now, okay, look, they have a wonderful weapon in that adamantium shield okay so it's this indestructible shield you can use that run with that to clear a path you can throw it um right in the heads of some zombies um and these are individuals it's not a very efficient weapon ollie uh, it's a very durable, long-lasting weapon. That <laughs> you get is things caught on it. It's both offensive and defensive, Godrad. And these are individuals who have had a lot of military training, are natural in a team environment. Wait, wait. So you're actually wait, wait. You're, you're actually imagining that there are these actual characters themselves hey, that they have the power. You. I don't know about you. No, 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 no. Many cosplayers really get it to their character. Maybe, <laughs> but they do not have super strength and they are not invincible. See, you have You're to telling me those weren't actual adamantium shields that we no, saw? No, no. Well, that one guy, he might have had an adamantium shield. He had a pretty good shield. I don't know. I think the I think they'll work together better than the Harley Quinns. And I think they, they have been through combat. Um, the character has, at least. And they will work better together. And also, there are a lot of them. So I think they will band together. Um, and they will be the true victors here. We in saw, the world we that saw I a lot of Captain in, Americas, but the Harley Quinns were like, take it over the joint. They've always been digging over the joint. <laughs> Harley Quinn is so 2012, Conrad. Um, it's got to be. It's got to be vintage. Captain America slash vintage no. Cap, uh, Winter Soldier. I think you're wrong. You know nothing about zombie plagues, Alibatu. <laughs> nothing. Well, um, I you have a little bit more personal experience with this genre. However, I usually am right in the Infinite Crossover Chamber. No, you are so, not. You yes, are we not are. Usually right. Uh, um, 
but however, I will I will also like, say that the terrifying clockwork orange folks oh my may gosh. may also have a pretty good shock <laughs> shot that at was this. The most terrifying. Possibly. They were. I was sort of like avoiding them because they were so freaking scary. Yeah, I, um, we're not even. They. I don't want to live in that world. <laughs> okay, we'll we'll go off. We'll, we'll move away from that. Okay. So, dear listeners, let us know who you think would win, would survive the zombie outbreak at New York Comic Con. Is it Vintage Captain America slash Vintage Captain or Winter Soldier, or is it the Harley Quinns of the world, um, or is it someone else? Let us know uh, in the comments below. Um, and by comments below, I mean like send us a message on something <laughs> something because uh, there's no comments below you're listening to a podcast Clearly. so uh with that let's close up the doors and escape out of the zombie plague and get into our top five yeah um conrad what are we talking about this week on our top five uh top five uh top f- five ways to prove new york comic-con so i think a few people could probably guess what some of our ideas are yeah, yeah, and uh, I think here's the thing: is we both we love uh, we love cons. We are based in New York. We will continue to go to New York Comic Con, um, but we also want to make it a better experience. And I think there's a lot of ways to improve it because it's it has a potential to be this great event in one of the world's greatest cities, um, and a, a city that has not only played host to these wonderful genres, uh, these wonderful stories uh, in the stories, but has also been very much involved in the production of these stories and the inception of these stories. So, um, yeah, let's go ahead and get started. Well, I mean, some of my ideas are sort of, and I don't want to call them pipe dreams. And so a couple of mine are like that too. Uh, but just preface this by saying, you know, um, number, my number five would be get a better conference center, (laughs) you know, and that I know (laughs) is a difficult undertaking since we don't really have that um but i feel like the java center is just too small and if you can't get a better conference center you sell less tickets which i know is impossible because that's you know part of what they do if you can't get a better one you what sell less tickets oh sell less tickets, um, yeah. but i know that that's not a possibility but that was my number five is is get a better conference center by the way that's my number four oh, uh, okay. which is replace the java center Oh, well, similar ideas. Uh, similar then. idea, yeah. You know, I mean, it, it was built in the 70s, uh, early 80s. Uh, it's a really horrible design. It's not efficient. Despite renovations, it still has problems. Uh, Governor Cuomo wanted to construct a new conference center and announced plans for that in 2012. Um, and it was going to be uh, built in Queens, where there's a little bit more space to build something new and more efficient. Um, but those plans didn't really work out out um, well i was actually i was actually thinking because uh new york comic con actually coincided with um open new york and one of the things that they opened was the uh the science hall um at the old world's fairgrounds yeah and so i was like what if they did like new york comic con and they made it like they just totally took over the old world's fairgrounds Absol- yeah <laughs> you know why not <laughs> and why? did like temporary structures or something that would be kind of cool Look, um, that worked in uh 
Iron Man 2, was it? Yeah, uh, they did that whole thing, too. I was just right? like, and it would be totally awesome. Yeah, That would be so cool. So, like, I, I think you and I can agree here that there are other venues here. Um, there are ways to make it better. And let's think a little bit more creatively until we're waiting on New York to build a new convention center, which will happen eventually. Um, let's maybe move it to a different venue, a place that can hold right. it better. Uh, so what was your, what was your number, five? number five then? Yeah, my number five was integrate new york city um oh, that was my number four so there you go uh, there we go <laughs> was that verbatim what you said uh not quite mine was like you know use use your city to better advantage so use new york city to better advantage yeah 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 totally i mean there's lot there's lots of things that you could do here there's lots of amazing museums and venues and i know that all that stuff costs money and it would take a lot of coordination but and you, but you've got like You've got amazing things here and really super dorky things here and geeky things here that nerds love. So I feel like if you were super, and again, this is no slam on the read pop people. um, Because I think that, I I do think that this is an incredibly difficult and detailed conference to put together. Uh, But I just feel like there, there just could be a better way to incorporate all the awesome things about New York into this conference. Look, look, it's a no brainer. Do a tour, uh, do a geeky th- tour through New York City. You hire someone who has seen a ton of these movies and take them on a tour through the Ghostbusters building. You know, take them on a tour to like uh, the Ninja Turtles lair, like all these different areas that actually exist in New York. Um, do a tour of that. Like I think Super Week was uh, had great intentions, but it was a little spread out. Um, it wasn't really cost effective. And uh, like like you were saying, you had to work. You couldn't go to that one event. And I couldn't go to many of the events either because I had to work. But if you concentrate it into a weekend, um, you can better take advantage of this and also make it more worthwhile for the people who are coming from out of town. Nothing can take over New York City, but you can take more use of it. Dragon Con has its very famous parade that happens through Atlanta. One of the nice things about San Diego is they do use the nearby hotels. They expand programming out into the hotels. So, like, look, why doesn't New York Comic Con do that? Why doesn't more right. of the programming happen at these hotels that are hosting the conference? Um, there is so much here that um, can be taken advantage of. So use the city. Don't just make it something that happens at the Javits Center that no one likes. Like, please use the city that the world loves. Yeah. So what's your number four? Uh, my number four was the Oh, Java yeah, yeah, Center. this. What we just talked about. Okay. So right. we're on to number three. Conrad, what is your number three? Um, my number three is more coffee, um, <laughs> better food. And there's so many. I mean, we are in New York City, man. Like, come on. Like, you can totally. Why are you laughing? I'm laughing because, well, I'm laughing on a couple of reasons. Number one is... Um, you said more coffee, which I'm like, I need some coffee right now. Yeah, um, I do too. More. There's that. But then also <laughs> my number three was food trucks. Oh, so similar themes again. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we're in New York. We have a ton of food trucks. And even in that area, like there's so many ways that you could do this. And it, it, it's to your benefit. Like if if you want, you know, it's to your benefit. You could make money on this stuff. You could charge whatever you want to the food trucks and not just for this conference, but for other conferences, like that's a captive audience because there's nothing over there. No. 
Like there's we had to walk, like if we wanted to wait in a huge line for, and the food trucks, I'm not slamming the food trucks that were there, but there was only like two. There's two. There was, and, and there was, they couldn't serve the capacity. No. Uh, they couldn't serve and, the demand. And there's also, there wasn't like a ton of vegetarian options, like no. for people who have eating issues. I do not, but some other people do. And like, we had to walk at least 10 or 15 minutes to get to a restaurant every yep. day. And, you know, it's... And you add up the opportunity cost again right. of walking 15 to 30 minutes to get decent food, walking back, the time you spend eating, you're looking at two to three hours. Right. Um, so it's, I would it's, rather spend a little bit more money, get yeah. some good food at a food truck, and then boom, you're back into the con. No. <laughs> I will say the Pinkberry kiosk was awesome. Um, we really enjoy that pink berry. (laughs) Yes, but coffee, come on, that's a lot of people and you've got only like a couple of places. There was like three, I think, sites to get And the lines were insane, insane. So, and it's not like you just get caught. Well, at least I know I needed a little pick me up at some point. So just saying, and you could do pop-up little kiosks too. Yes, Um, yes. Conrad, why, why? It's like this convention center is stuck in this 1980s, 90s way of doing things. Like the world of uh, conventions um, and this business of large-scale events has evolved since the 90s. Can we please evolve along with it? Yes, exactly. So so you said food trucks too. Yeah, I said food trucks, um, although caffeine would be great too. Um, There are so many great food truck festivals that happen in major cities across the country. New York City is no different. There are wonderful food trucks, um, and they need to be here. So that was my number three. What was your number two? My number two is increase the diversity of panels and panelists. Mm. Now, while we were at New York Comic Con, the Geek Girls Con was also happening out in the Pacific Northwest. And I was kind of looking at a little bit of that Twitter feed, and I was quite jealous. Um, I was jealous at the diversity of the panelists that were gathered at Geek Girl Con. I was uh, jealous of the uh, programming that was going to that was being uh, put together there. Um, I spoke to a few people who said, look, like New York Comic Con rejected my programming, whereas Geek Girls Con invited me to come out. So I think I've made my decision. I don't think I'm going back to New York Comic Con next year. I'd much rather be here. So I think for a lot of people, you can only budget really one major con a year because it it ends up being expensive. Airfare, hotel, attending, all the money you're going to spend, and Conrad – Thank you, thank you, thank you for helping me not to spend too much money. <laughs> Even <laughs> though you got a friend of the show, Randy, disagreed with me, but he also does not understand that New York apartments are tiny. <laughs> yeah, no, there's there was a great moment where we were walking by and I sort of scooted over to this uh, one exhibitor who was uh, who had all these awesome die-cast small replicas of starships from Star Trek The Next Generation, or Star Trek period, from the whole franchise. And I was like, Conrad, I really want to buy this Enterprise. And then (laughs) you had the most hilarious, amazing, um, mothery, uh, or maternal response I have ever heard. It was a little maternal, but... And what did you say? Do you remember? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I said the starship in your mind is much better than any... Any, Any figurine to- you could yeah. buy or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which I thought about it for a moment and I'm like, um, okay, but I still want to play with this starship. So um, it really helped 
you it really helped to have a buddy who was like, "All right, Ali, why don't you buy just a couple of things? Why don't you buy like one small thing, something that doesn't take up too much space?" So I got a T-shirt, and then you and I both supported uh, this indie comic um, creator yeah. who was doing um, a a comic that was actually like. Do you want to tell the the audience about this? Uh, it's called a uh, Piggy's Tale. Is that what yeah. it is? Yeah, and it's. Uh basically uh the the money for this co- uh, this comic they actually did a kickstarter for it um and the creator uh has this dog named piggy um mm-hmm. and he's a three-legged dog that he rescued uh and he it, this the proceeds from this book um and it's basically a superhero dog story yep. uh but the proceeds for this book go to support um the Other, Darwin Animal Doctors. Right. Uh, with, uh, at the Galapagos Islands. Um, yeah. And in a lot of these places, uh, they actually have a lot of service dogs that, um, because they're involved in um, sort of taking down um, drug trade and trafficking and things like that, actually have like hits put on them and stuff like that. And they get retired pretty early. Um, and... Anyway, so I thought it was a really cool idea to do this, and the dog Piggy was actually there at the show, and he was kind so of under cute. the table hanging out. Um, and the creator of this is um, Todd Emko, and he was super nice, and he created this. Um, he uh, it, the book was illustrated by um, Ethan Young, and then he also does this. Um, um, he has a a co-founder of this, so I want to just get her name and make sure that we. And got while that. you're saying that, you can you guys can check out uh, uh, this project at darwinanimaldoctors.org. Um, really great project, and so it was great to see um, to see and support um, someone doing great work like this. And you know, we were very happy to support him and and Pet Piggy, who was super cute. And again, show uh, photos on on the show notes. Um, but getting back to my number two, which is um, Andrea uh, Andrea Gordon is the name of the person that yeah, helped him do yeah. this. So, so you know, we were we were very happy to see some diversity in the exhibit hall. But I think when it comes down to the panels and panelists, um, again, great to see some panels talking about diversity. There was actually about four or five of them, which was which was fantastic. But uh, I think in addition to that, you want programming that is going to span the diversity of the attendees and these are an extremely diverse uh, group of attendees and there was just not something for everyone which we do see at other cons where there's an explicit attempt to bring in something for a wide variety of people Um, that's my number two what is yours Um, my number two is not it was about panels as well but not quite the same uh, Ben Um, I basically thought there should be a different um, sort of a different breakdown or somehow a, a, a different, and again, this goes back to my conference center <laughs> dream, but a way to have more people be able to experience the panels that they want to experience. So I guess in some ways it's in line with what you're talking about. Um, it just feels like, so if you if you went and spent this much money on the tickets, you a lot of, you're just not, if you really want to see the panels, you're going to have to make some very hard decisions. And I know that that's always the case, but it just feels like more people should be able to be accommodated. So whether it's actually sitting in the room or, you know, being able to experience in a different way, if you have to, I feel like more effort needs to be made to do that. Um, Yeah. If you look at the Ted talk model, 
Um, right. You go uh, – the TED Talks, sometimes people wonder like why do they release all their videos online for free? Because no one goes to any conference for just that experience. Right. The experience of a con is really the social experience. Right. Meeting, greeting, seeing old friends, making new ones connecting with people who also share an interest and passion in the things that you do. That's why cons exist. That's why virtual cons will never uh, replace the in-person ones. However, in addition to that, if you do make this content available online, you get a wider audience, you draw in more interest, more people want to come, and more people are able to experience this right. stuff. It's a win-win and the, scenario. And that's your audience. So if, that's your if, audience. You know, so, and, and that actually leads into my number one, what you were just saying, leads into my number one. Which oh, is, what is that? Which is, in thinking about what to me, or what it seems like the, most people's most favorite parts of the cons are, it's like... More opportunities, and this it, this feeds into a few of our ideas in terms of using New York as a better background and that kind of thing. But um, oh man, you so, and I are about to have a mind meld. I feel it. I feel it coming. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Um, but so much of the conference um, is, or to me, the the nice parts of it and the unique parts of it is getting to meet those people and interact and things like that. And they did do some of that, like with the Super Week. They had stuff at this, the way station. They had a lot of the... And I think that that's what these things were supposed to be. Like, uh, they did yeah. some screening of Doctor Who. They did different screenings and things like that. But they were in such limited capacity that a lot of people could actually do this. And um, I feel like there needs to be more interactive opportunities. Like, mm. more ways for fans to connect. Um, more ways for people to do the things that they love. And some of this is a venue issue and, and like fitting this many people in. Um, but what you were saying in terms of some of the hotels at San Diego Comic-Con, like uh, basically continuing some of the programming, to me, it feels like there needs to be more of that added piece. So it's not just a big shopping mall, which yeah. is sometimes what it feels like. Or, you know, you see people kind of like displaying their cosplay and connecting over that. But there doesn't seem to be a real spot to be able to do that. Yeah. Um and I just, I just feel like there needs to be more um, intelligent programming, um, and in some ways, it's sort of like I know sometimes the format of a con is going to be different everywhere, but since it's New York, you're going to have to do it a little differently. So that's yeah, that's my recommendation: is just to have more interactive programming. Not you know, because the floor is fun to walk. And it's fun to interact with people in that way, but it doesn't, do you, did you feel that too? Like, did, it didn't feel like there were a ton of opportunities. I mean, there were opportunities, but they were very limited to a tiny group of people each time. Yeah, there was a speed dating series that they had, uh, but that's not what we're talking about. We, it's, it's creating more of the... The community. It's, it's exp- yeah, it's expanding upon why people go to these things, which is to connect with people, yeah. right? And let's make that a little bit more speci- um, more explicit. And a lot of the psychology conventions I go to have this. They have social hours. And they have like social hours for child and adolescent psychologists and social hours for people working in um, – you know, people working in hospitals and social hours, this, and opportunities for you to meet and greet 
with more people. Um, this is very close to my number one, which is be your own con and stop copying the San Diego Comic Con formula. Uh, yeah. Um, and I, you know, I wanted uh, what I wrote here in my show notes. Give us more to do beyond panels and exhibit halls. I remember something you mentioned, which was uh, how cool would it have been if there was a screening room set up and they have some kind of system where you can vote online for your favorite sci-fi movies or horror movies, and they there's like a they through the process of the con they reveal what the top ten were and they show them. And yeah, there's licensing issues and all of that, but you can get around that or maybe you have like one person every con and they get to choose their favorite list like kevin smith's favorite most inspirational movies are playing all weekend and you can go and you can talk and you can watch that or you have card tournaments like where were the card tournaments so many of the kids and adolescents i work with are super into Yu-Gi-Oh. where was the Yu-Gi-Oh tournament where was the dungeons and dragon tournament where was the gaming area um where were the meeting opportunities um so as i mentioned before there's so much opportunity to integrate the city and do more than other cons do like i, I really think that that idea of doing a geek parade or a geek tour of New York City would be so interesting. Um, so please, New York Comic Con, stop trying to have more of that Hollywood influence. No one is coming to you for the latest breaking news. This is not San Diego. And you, right. even there, like Hollywood is pulling back from San Diego Comic Con. There is a much less of a presence of, a ho- of Hollywood at San Diego this year. That's the old way of doing things. Like, let's, let's make this a about the community. Let's make this about the city, the city that has such a rich history of uh, being involved in these stories. And uh, well, of- and again, I feel like some of this is actually they're almost there. Like they just oh, need to yeah. tweak it a bit because I I do think that that is a lot of what the programming for Super Week was intended to do. Yeah, and and you know, and the Mary just, Sue, the I, Mary I, Sue had a fantastic. Um, hospitality room where you could go and charge your phones and kind of just hang out and take a breather from everything like that's a great idea you know and and PAX East this year had a like a mental health room where you could come take a break and they had counselors on hand to like if in case you needed that and there other cons are experimenting and I think New York Super Week like you were saying was an experiment they're so close they're so close. Yeah, so I, I can't, you know, I'm not going to get too down on them. But those, these are just my dream ideas. So, yeah, But I do yeah. think that the curated movie thing or, or, like, even having something really cool, I mean, come on, how cool would it be to, like, rent out one of the Lowe's or, like, have one of the Lowe's be, like, connected with the New York Comic Con and, like, have just, like, a couple of the theaters showing some sort of... Like a film festival. Yeah, yeah. like, yeah. This, this screams Elmo Draft House to me, clearly, but, I mean, that could be <laughs> a super cool thing um, and have or, people curating that and as a part be as a part of Comic-Con. And again, I do understand that these things all cost money, and that's part of the thing about having something in New York, and you do need to recoup your ticket prices, but it does well, feel like some of these things could be discounted for people who had bought the badges. I would, I would love to have, like, a, um, a bloggers meetup, um, where different people who blog could meet up or a podcaster meet up or things like this where you can connect with like-minded people. Well, um, I that, do think that they're having these things. I just don't think that the communication is there basically advertising it. So I well, think that, that gets to my honorable mention, okay. which is uh, communication. 
Yes. <laughs> um, that needs to be improved. Yeah. Um, I do. Now, they are, Reed Pop is a for profit institution. And so I understand why they have this, but I do think there should be some more equity in tickets. I don't think the VIP model is a good one, right. but it is one that exists at many sort of con companies. It is a bum- uh, It is a bit of a bummer, though, because it's sort of yeah. like, I mean, so what you, you'd have to pay like 500 bucks, and it still didn't give you all that much more, but it gave you enough of an edge so that maybe you could kind of distance yourself from the rabble but i just yeah the equity of the tickets it, it wasn't clear to me how much was be how many people were able to get these but i did see an awful lot of vip passes i don't know about you yeah i did i did too well did you have any honorable mentions uh the communication was the big thing um you know i i don't really have much more than that um because yep. i think we talked about a lot of that but um but it was a great time it was a lot of yeah, fun. So. Yeah, and so all this being said, I mean, we're doing a little bit of Monday morning quarterbacking. I think you and I definitely left with a big smile on our face and um, uh, swollen feet. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> a lot of walking. And, but you and, I and a, the New York Comic Con plague, for me anyway. I, I, I really, I seriously do hope you dodge this. <laughs> it's not I'm fun. I'm feeling okay today. I, I do need coffee, but I'm feeling okay. Um, we had a great time, and it was great to be able to uh, connect with some of you out there at the, at the con. And uh, we love to hear your stories and, and what you thought of the con if you were there. And if not, we hope to see you at a future con. Um, Conrad, we're going to be back to our kind of normal scheduled programming next week. Yep. Um, do we know what we're talking about? Uh, not yet, but we'll figure it out on we'll the figure fly. It out. We'll figure it out after we recover from the uh, Comic-Con plague. Um, But until next time, please. uh, Oh, no, no, wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on. Before we get to that, um, where can we be found on the internet this week? Uh, This week, uh, a very very under the weather Conrad can be found on Twitter. I'm at DiePrince on there and on my other podcast, where we do talk about zombie plagues, uh, reanimatedpodcast.com. Um, and on Twitter, it's reanimated PCAS with my, my good buddy, uh, Stuart Tiffin. We didn't even have a chance to talk about all the Wonder Woman cosplay and you're very, um, strong. <laughs> we, don't, we don't need to talk about that. We'll save that for a different episode. Yeah. Uh, this week I am as always the science fiction psychologist at brainknowsbetter.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Alima too. And, uh, this show is also available on Twitter at nerd hour. Um, you can see a bunch of our tweets from New York Comic Con there. Uh, we're also at superfantasticnerdhour.com and you can email us at info at superfantasticnerdhour.com. Uh, and until next time, dear nerdlings, live long and prosper. And live long and be healthy. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> oh.